Hello and welcome, my name is Matt Kellen, and it is NBA time. We are at episode 6 in this 2017-2018 season. I'm back after a Thanksgiving hiatus last week, but a lot has happened, especially off the court since last episode, with a couple of big stories. I think hearing Derrick Rose leaving the Cavs to evaluate his future in the NBA was, I mean, was really shocking. Not something you really anyone really wanted to hear, or really anything you thought you would hear. Back when he was the MVP in 2011, just six years ago, the youngest MVP in league history. I think when you really look at it, it's just very impressive. I think he, looking back at really the youngest MVPs the league has had, a lot of them come come from really decades ago. And you try to try not to get too caught up in comparing generations. Usually try to try to keep to. Uh, comparing players within their own generation, but I think it's fair to say that the gap between really the young and old in the NBA is greater than previous generations. I think more in recent history has taken guys a little longer to adjust. I think a whole bunch of reasons why. Of course, I think strength training, general advancements in skill training. I mean, I think look at sports science, large money investments in that. And I think you can also look to overseas. Basketball is a much popular game, larger talent pool. And you could go on. But all these factors, I think, have increased I mean, I think the, how good players can really be. And I think when you get a young guy, you know, coming out of college, you're not prepared, I think, as well as maybe you used to be, just because of how different the NBA is than college basketball. And I think, I think each era really should be more, more skilled than the next. We won't get too much into that. The youngest MVPs of the last 30 years have been Michael Jordan at 25, of course Kevin Durant at 25, LeBron at 24, and then Rose at 22. That's it's not a bad list. I mean, you could, of course, could argue a little MVP, MVP fatigue with LeBron in 2011. He just won back to back, and it seems like they we try to switch it up a little more, but. D. Rose has the MVP statue in this collection. He did it on that 62-win team, team Bulls. The list speaks for itself. Jordan, Durant, LeBron, and, and then Rose. I mean, you kind of forget. I mean, his peak was really, it was really very short. He won the MVP in his third year. And it's really just the four years before he got hurt. And in those four years before the injury, look at his numbers. 21 points on 46% shooting. Four rebounds, seven assists, a steal, two turnovers. Nothing that really blows you away, but on the court, he did, and on the television screen, he definitely blew you away watching. I think, for me, I think maybe the most explosive player, most athletic player I've ever seen. A guy that was just made it so hard to stay in front of when he had the ball in his hands. He's super, super athletic. He jumped out of the gym and just made it look totally effortless. I mean, and he's, he was the best player on a, if you look by win total, I mean, an all-time great team, 62-win bowl team that, of course, lost to LeBron in the playoffs. But, I mean, then killer instinct he had. He was a clutch player, great crossovers, a great finisher around the rim. I mean, he really was Westbrook before we had Westbrook. I mean, the way he attacked the lane, really nothing seemed impossible when he had the ball, and he was going towards the rim. You almost don't want to compare him to Westbrook, though, because I think he was such a special player. I think he can really stand on his own. I think, I mean, like I said, it's just so easy to forget. His peak was so short, and really injuries really derailed him. Of course, we, I mean, we know, we know the, the injury history. 
started in that, that 2013 playoffs. And I mean, he's been hit with the injury bug, to say the least, really ever since. I think it makes this, I mean, his announcement totally really understandable. I think that injuries really can really hit you mentally. It's just a really a great emotional toll. I mean, it really has robbed him of what made him such an exciting player and really an awesome player to watch. And, I mean, we gotta let's wish him the best of luck in his future, whatever life takes him, if he decides to come back or not. But, gonna have to dig around, find my own, my old D Rose shirt jersey one of these days. Show some respect to really, guy who was a really phenomenal player. We'll go out west. Gotta talk about the Grizzly situation. They've now lost nine in a row. Of course, it was the eight in a row. That led to the end of David Fisdale in Memphis. Guy, I mean, really seemed to be a young up-and-comer in this league as a head coach. But he's out at Memphis. I mean, I won't claim to be an expert on the Grizzlies, but he's a guy who seemed to be very well-liked. I mean, we've seen it in the support that he's gotten. I mean, of course, we've heard about Marcus Soule. Heard that they apparently haven't talked in the last ten months, which is bizarre between a star player and a head coach. So that's pretty revealing of what was going on there, but I mean from the outside we'll never really know what goes on inside that side behind closed doors. But I mean Fizzell seemed to be well liked. Keep him a great organization in Miami. Pat Riley doesn't keep chumps around as assistant coaches. So I mean I think it's really odd to see him go so soon. But I mean that's the, that's really the nature of the head coaching profession. Lose eight in a row, poor relationship with the team star. They could really climax around the fourth quarter benching versus the Nets, and that, man, that's it for you. I mean, you look back, it was, I think it was May 27th of last year that he was hired, accepting the head coaching job. That's 18 months ago, and that's all you get <laughs> sometimes in this league. I mean, I mean, I guess you can say there's only only 30 of these jobs in the world. The teams have the power, they pick who they want, but just tough. Tough break for a guy. It looks like the fall guy in a team that's underachieving a little bit, but there's not really a ton of talent, I think, in Memphis outside of... I mean, Gasol's still one of the best centers in the league. And, I mean, Connolly's been hurt. He didn't, I mean, in the eight losses that led to his firing, he Connolly played in the first two and then didn't play in the next six. So that's something. They got a guy in Mario Chalmers who's out of the league a couple a few years ago. I don't know, it seems like Fistel definitely called a tough break there. But, I mean, you look at it, it can really be, I mean, any number of things that can lead to this. You know, like I said, there's only, there's only 30 of these jobs. But, I mean, you go, you go out and hire a guy, you like him enough to hire him, you want to let him see his vision through. But, you know, I mean, really hope Fistel gets another shot out of it from which, what you hear about him. It seems like he will. We'll see. And as always, we'll cap this one off with games to watch. First one we got Detroit at Philly. Detroit still riding strong, 14 and 6 out east, but for second place. Still the half game edge over Cleveland. Let's see how long that holds. Playing Phillies, Philly's fifth in the East. We talked about Philly a lot and has the process worked video. So check that one out if you haven't already. Second game, we got New Orleans and Portland. I like this one because, uh, you got, I mean, of course, Boogie and Anthony Davis. 
Two bigs against two guards, McCollum and Lillard. Two bigs should have an advantage against Portland bigs, and then you got two guards should have an advantage over New Orleans guards. Should be should be should be a fun one as they battle out in Portland. And then game three, Milwaukee at Boston. Boston's been great to watch. Eighteen and four. And Giannis is always is always a treat. So those are the games to watch. So thank you for watching.